0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada and about to commence his first coast to coast or close on coast to coast tour of Canada is Dara O'Brien because us Bray Kilamantan that Dara O'Brien but Dara spends his working career most of it now in the UK in London and uh, has been despite being a stand-up comic his technical background which would kind of surprise anybody it's got to do with uh, theoretical physics and mathematics. And we're going to get into that as how could a, theori- a theoretical uh, physician and a mathematician end up as a stand-up comedian because, to me, there's a degree of incompatibility there. Darao Breenth of I appreciate
1: it. It's lovely to be here and great to have a chat with you. I try to soft-pedal the whole math thing as much as I can just because people have like, a Pavlovian reaction to it. They, uh, that if you say maths, they remember. Bad, terrible times at school. And they're going, this does not sound like a show I'd <laughs> like to go and see. So I go, I go easy on the other maths thing. There's none of it in the show. That's uh, just to reassure people.
0: I, and I'm not so much about the show. It's more like the leap, I suppose, from what would be such a structured discipline training to what has to be or comes across as being a very fluid and casual uh, yes. career.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, well, look, fluid and casual was very much how I approached a structured education. Um, and that got me through a lot of it up to the leaves and start. But when I got to university, I was a little bit too fluid and casual to play. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, that, that rebounded on me. I As I said, I had to go back to my university like UCD to do a speech for something. And I said, I arrived in UCD with a bright academic career behind me. Uh, and that was... Very much the case. The key to look at it is, is that actually comedians come from just a random collection of backgrounds. So it's very much a case of the dean to do it just gets sprinkled randomly through the population and it is no observer of what you did in the run. There is no kind of cause and link to your previous... Like, there's no standard path, let's say, to, to end up doing this.
0: Well, I was watching Tommy Tiernan... Last week, and he was explaining how he spent five years on the dole in Galway <laughs> <laughs> about it, yeah. after being kicked out of home. Um, and that was his, I guess, um, university for, for the pad.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But indeed, it, it's, it's like, not to put it in, in fairytale terms, but let, let's do this, kicking uh, around goes from house to house, and uh, on every one thousand house, taps somebody on the head with a wand and says, through no design of your own, you will need to be in front of a crowd. And that's how, that's, that's, that's how you end up in comedy.
0: But Dara, on that very point, you say you will need to be in front of a crowd. And what you do, I do. is, you're standing out there figuratively n- naked.
1: Mainly figuratively. Yeah, that's I know. The, uh, <laughs> that's a very, that's a very important set.
0: <laughs> and to that extent, being that exposed, you're very interdependent on your audience so if you are on a tour and, or you have prepared for be it a 45 minute, a 60 minute set and you're sensing that you, your audience are not with you have you to change gear and to what extent that figurative nakedness becomes a real issue
1: one of the things that makes, that makes it compelling as, as an art form, if you go with that, uh, is that there's an imminent death uh, is always there. So there's a sense that this could go wrong. The only thing is, if you've been doing it for 25 years, you've probably got a bit of a plan B, a plan C, or a plan D right. at any given time. I got, a, I got an education in one moment in Canada. I went to the Montreal Festival in 2002, and Joan Rivers was hosting the event I was at, was the gala that they had. And Joan Rivers went out to do her monologue and about three jokes that it was going all right and she did some jokes that it didn't last, as we say. That it didn't work. Normally your response would be to, Oh God, better get to the next one. Speed up and get to the next one, right? And instead Joan Rivers stopped, stared at the audience three thousand people and gave out to them. Gave out and told them it was wrong that they were wrong. But they were wrong and did an elegant job of ranting at the audience about how she's putting these jokes out here and she deserves it better than they're their giving and they're not a very good audience that she did really pick up their game that by the end of it she stopped got a massive amount of applause uh, and the show went on. and <laughs> that i remember watching it again oh that's how you do it that's the master class you uh, honestly you get better doing it but one of the key things you learn is if it's going badly acknowledge the fact that it's going badly and that becomes a joke in itself and it might not get you, it might not turn the entire gig
0: around. Sarah, we talked, you mentioned there, that was 25 years of ex- experience. It, gives you, it allows you to hone your skill for that type of disaster, potential disaster. 25 yeah. years is a long time where you've a, a lot of achievements. You've backed awards, you're an author, you've written children's books and adults' books, uh, you're a TV, um, a, a wonderful portfolio. Uh, for 25 years on, in in the business, where would you say the break came, and uh, w- after the initial break, then to make the jump across the Irish Sea into the UK? Uh,
1: Strangely enough, the, um, I would will to link these two because this is not that, that isn't this isn't being pat, uh, but uh, I ran about the age of time I did Montreal was in 2002. I had done a couple of Edinburgh's, and they'd gone well, and I was eking out a living, and I was doing all right, and I'd moved over to see how, how I did. But I had a bad year where I went on a tour of Ireland, which, uh, honestly, nobody counted in. They stayed away in droves, is the phrase used, uh, and it was only these things where I, was, I wasn't really on the telly, they didn't know who it was, it was kind of like, well, why is he doing a show, I don't know him at all. And uh, little things, like I arrived in Listowel, and there's nobody at it, and I went down, to, after finishing up the gig, went down to John B. Keane's bar, and one of John B. Keane's sons said, oh, how are you, Dar? And I said, oh, right, Does nobody at the show. He said, gosh, said, Dar, the flash show is on tonight. That is the level of everything conspired against this gig. Uh, and I very much thought, oh, look, this is, this is going up over. I'm not getting in here. This is, this is a, a dragon. I'm just, I'm, I'm just making myself, unhappy here. But the one gig I left left in was a tryout from Montreal. And I... Did this? I did it in the Communist Party in London, and that went very, very well. And then I went to Montreal, and I had it at a stormer of a gig there, and ended up being bumped up to this big gala show. And that just gave this huge injection of confidence that kept me into the following Edinburgh Festival. And the Edinburgh Festival was the big thing here, and I had a fantastic Edinburgh Festival. And from there on, it's kind of the, the, the dominoes fall. you, you, you hit, hit a point of momentum where the dominoes start to fall. And that kind of pitched me into doing another TV show. But weirdly, it came immediately after a terrible end the store.
0: So, being a comedian in your home country, is it harder than work abroad?
1: Um, it certainly, I think, it was the case that when I was coming through, uh, the only game in town was Tommy Jermyn. Because uh, he exploded into the firmament. And it very much took me to go over to England and sort of build my own path. You know, that's often the case in Ireland. I don't think it's necessarily the case everywhere, but that's often the case in Ireland that sometimes people have to leave the country and, you know, work somewhere else. And then they become popular in Ireland. Then they go, oh, oh the British seem to like you. Now we're back in again. So, <laughs> the, so the minute I started getting work in Britain, I started getting more work in Ireland, which is typical, so yeah, and then I was splitting between the two for a while, like whatever. But yeah, it, it worked for me, because I think actually my, my comic sensibilities are probably closer, in some way, to a London thing, but it's nice to go back and just to have that intimacy with an Irish audience, that you have because we're all kind of very, yeah, very homogenous in our own way, we all know the same thing, so, uh, so it's kind of nice to be bouncing between the two.
0: Um, I suppose the reverse of that would have been Des Bishop coming in from abroad and ironically given your love of the Irish language and your fluency of it that Des comes in and develops an act around the Irish language and is totally embraced in Ireland.
1: Entirely. And what, what Des had, there's a few things you can do um, in common, a few stances which are always good to take. And one of them is something called the intelligent eight, which is somebody who's come from outside, but it's <laughs> a culture. And Des had uh, the space, still had the actions, but had been living around for ages, so was able to talk about American heaters and Irish behaviour and social circumstances. And there were, it was funny to watch, there are Irish organisations transfixed going, How did this American? know us so well. I was living in Ireland for 17 years. I think he knows the place very well. So it was a um, uh, it kind of, I was sort of doing the same over in England, I suppose, coming over with, it, with like a slightly different accent, but living there. So the, uh, it's, a, uh, it, it's a good comedy angle to have to be an outsider. Yeah.
0: So then, when you're an outsider and you're reflecting on where you have put down your roots, that makes sense, but then when you go on an international tour, be it to North America, Canada uh, particularly, and those two individually have very different senses of humour, do the different sense of humour of the audience in different geographies present challenges?
1: It, it hasn't so far, and I suspect the only one that will dramatically will be America, because America culturally lives in a kind of a bubble of its own product, of its own kind of voice. So therefore, they don't see stuff coming in in the same way. I think Canada's even much more open than America is, even just to the BBC being on. They, uh, it's much more common in Canada. They found that Canada, I'll sell tickets the way I would in New Zealand or Australia. The uh, it will be similar kind of thing. I don't have to explain very much who I am. Whereas, startingly in America, it's been like introducing myself from scratch. The, uh, because they know nothing really. And there's obviously the fact that both British and Irish who are coming over, And the people who watch clips on the internet who do know about it. But generally in America, I, I could walk less down the streets in America and have little danger of somebody saying hello. The uh, uh, causes very little companies from outside. That's going to be interesting. Um, because I haven't had to change it. I've toured this show now. It's of about 19 different countries. I haven't had to change it uh, at all. The odd thing, the odd reference here and there, but the uh, but the it's, it's, it's universal. But the rhythms of it alone might be strange in America. I might get right into it, in amongst when I finally get to Canada after doing four days to in America, just to be shell shock. That's how it has gone. So. Yeah because it might be completely different. I'm looking forward to it, honestly, <laughs> the, uh, but I am more worried about America than about Canada. I,
0: because I know that one of the aspects of having emigrated was that in order to retain a connection with home, I found it more important that I was in tune with what was going on in Ireland so as I could actually converse with people who hadn't my family rather than the other way around so uh, oftentimes I find that um, unless the immigrant makes that effort um, a divide can very quickly come in so far as what is relevant in the two different territories
1: I'm back in Ireland very often uh, and I I work there, so I kind of admire myself in the place that I do. I do 50 or 60 dates in Ireland. I see a lot of Ireland. Uh, animals are only over in London. But, but even I, over the past like, 10, 15 years, have the ability you slip away from the stuff that actually matters in terms of knowing what's um, going on in the country. What the radio, what the ads are, what's happening to the roads, you know. Simple things that aren't the big story, but are people's lives. Yes. So, uh, and our, as a comedian it's those references that make you look out of touch if you don't know what you're talking about. So, so, um, so and I joke with them about that, but I definitely feel that over the last few years, also because I've been out of Ireland during major social changes now. Uh, And it's certainly the case that, uh, I can't claim ownership of the, you know, the marriage equality vote uh, or those kind of votes that have come in the last while um, because I wasn't there, wasn't part of the campaign and, in that regard, not that I, I don't, they're, they're my views, uh, same as they're anything else, but I wasn't there for that fight. And you can feel how Ireland just becomes its own thing. And and the process of the is very great, it's so you meet people who are third generation or whatever, or Americans who left, went to Chicago 60 years ago and come over and they're like, oh, it's very different here. And we're going to go, well, yeah, we haven't been hanging around waiting for you to come back, like I know, I feel that more and more, yeah, that's. You have you have to keep up with them because they're not going to keep up with you. That's right. They're not yeah. going to try. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you mentioned then that you weren't in touch there with the changes that were happening in Ireland, but you must have been very much in touch then with the changes that were happening in the UK, particularly Brexit. Does that yeah. something that you then are? Um, is the is there an appetite for humour uh, and challenging? the structures through comedy on Brexit at this point in time?
1: Were they on Brexit? No, it's been done. Three and a half years, people are exhausted of it. Uh, And actually, if you start doing stuff about Brexit, you really have to be... It's actually a killer joke at the stage. And because, honestly, in the UK, people have have heard stuff. Um, So I found, over the course of the the tour tour I've been doing, I even do a thing about how I don't do topical stuff because it becomes out of date and I had nonetheless something about, in a very general sense of the breakfast, but as I, as I, the tour drifted into second year, which is like about thir- two years after the Brexit, and it was just becoming interminable, um, then it was a, uh, you could see the audience going, oh no, honestly, we don't, we've, we've had enough of that. We've heard, we've heard everything on this. The, uh, I think, yes, of course we talk about these things, but You've got to be aware that uh, you know audiences don't, you know, they don't have an instant <laughs> appetite for the stuff that you might want to talk about, uh, and you have to be receptive to that. The other phrase I used by the way about the change Ireland was not that I felt that, uh, that I hadn't kept across, but I didn't feel ownership of it. yeah uh, I would also like, for the record, to say I don't feel ownership of Brexit either, <laughs> but I was in the country when it happened.
0: Right. Now there has been a, a tradition on both sides of the Irish Sea of comedians who. Have had a major influence and have survived with good, great career, careers. I think the likes of Frank Carson uh, in the um, in the north and uh, Hal Roach, yep. then, and there was uh, some brilliant uh, UK, Tommy Cooper, uh, and lots of others. It's a, a medium I would think that, in a way, um, is more established in the British Isles than would I would say in North America.
1: That's interesting. Whereas they will happily talk you to the legends of their industry, uh, and um, you know whether it's George Burns, Bob Hope, uh, and yeah, the other Jerry Seinfeld and all that. Well, what I do think of is that, that, uh, it was uh, that comedy is it has its own. Again, it's in its own bubble of stuff. The, uh, so they are interestingly have no clue. But I'm, I'm a big fan of American comedy, and I read a lot about American stand-up and all that, and. A lot of it is stuff like Saturday Night Live, which we would have never seen in Ireland. Uh, Friars, rogues, they have their own traditions of stuff that never moved out. I've always thought American culture is a bit like Australian wildlife. No, they have their religion. Uh, They are aware of our religion.
0: So, if we were to give some housekeeping here, you're hitting the road uh, in March.
1: I do. I arrive in Charlotte. I do Atlantic Canada.
0: It's referred to as Atlantic Canada and also as the Maritimes. The Maritimes.
1: Delightful. Um, I, will, I will get a second re- source on that just in case you're now setting me up for folks No, No, no
0: we, we, re- we refer to people from um, from Nova Scotia, PEI uh, and New Brunswick. They would all be the Maritimes
1: down there. Okay, fine. Great. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll be there on, I think it's like the 12th 13th of March. Yeah. Um, I, I ride it in Charleston and Moncton. The, uh, and those are completely new to me to the extent that I'll be honest. I had to look up where they were. Uh, I was unfamiliar with them, and uh, so they are very exciting. They they will be my orientation session for Canada. I will. They are my first impression, and I will base all of my opinions of Canada on Moncton and Charlottetown. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good thing?
0: <laughs> well, Moncton and Charlottetown will be thrilled with that. I don't know if the rest. Of <laughs> I don't know if the rest of Canada will. <laughs>
1: uh, I would also say that that they're probably. Your best bet for tickets right now will <laughs> so be functioning Charleston. right? Yeah. so so my attitude to a may be skewed by that, but it's clear these are a weekend the starting it all off, the uh, and probably the smaller gigs uh, of the whole run, and 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 then we get into Halifax and Ottawa um, and uh, Toronto. Calgary, and we've got a second night in Calgary, I'm glad say, and we finish off in Vancouver. So it's a, it's a pretty good spread, coast to coast. It isn't, yeah.
0: yeah. So again, the dates are uh, the March 13th, 7 p.m. at the Confederation Centre of the Arts in Charlottetown. March 14th, 7 p.m. Moncton, the Capital Theatre. The 15th at 8 p.m. at the spatz Theatre in Halifax, and then into Ottawa on the 18th at 7:30 uh, at the Meridian Centre Point. The 20th is Toronto at the Winter Garden Theatre. And then Calgary for the 21st, 22nd, 7pm at the uh, Bella Concert Hall. And wrapping up in Vancouver on the 23rd at 7.30pm at the Vogue Theatre. And there's also details available at ha ha com, And also at your own website, Dara.
1: Yes, daraobreen.com, yes. Indeed. daraobreen.com has the whole thing. The, uh, and always go to the venues rather than go to any of these ticket resale sites. Indeed. Yeah. The, uh, so they'll never get that sent to us. Listen, I look forward to it enormously. The, uh, I also have, uh, as you know, there's something happened on the 17th. I left the 17th free. Uh, but I thought, well, you listen, There's bound to be a thing. But apparently you do all your... Patrick's Day celebrations on the Sunday
0: before. I the sa- I, in some cases, it's the Saturday, some places, it's the Sunday, and Montreal is the Saturday after.
1: Okay, oh, got on, all right, that's difficult. So I might get a Patrick's Day celebration in Monkshire, I'm sure it <laughs> will be huge on the Saturday, uh, it's Halifax on the Sunday. Possib-
0: uh, uh, that's possible. And then on this, uh, in Ottawa, when you get there on the 18th, the 17th, of so Wednesday. I, there won't be an awful lot going on on St Patrick's Day itself.
1: No, 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 no. Well, sure. Listen, I will find a quiet corner. Uh, I spent last year's Patrick's Day in, Orla- not Orlando, in um, Cape Canaveral. Uh, we were doing filming in NASA, uh, and I spent it in a Irish pub with hundreds of photographs of, of astronauts on the wall, uh, with the, some kind sort of a bagpipe band in the minute. Yeah, I Patrick's know. Day. Yeah, yeah. In a way that we, we. I know you're looking at it going. Like, Scotland that, uh, but anyway we were really just, what the hell and it was, uh, so that was quite striking, so, uh, so I've been hoping to see some pocket of the stranger reflections of our Ireland <laughs> and our culture um,
0: well, Darrell when you do talk bagpipes actually, there is a pipe band in Tandogan, and they normally come in either first or second, or certainly third in the worlds, up in Edinburgh every year, and there is also a pipe band down on Valencia
1: Island. Uh, That's two pipe bands, no wonder. No wonder all over the world.
0: That's right, like those, the, the people from those two areas alone, kind of given that the Irish are responsible for 70 million, the Clondauken and Valencia Island are probably responsible for about 2.5 million pipe bands.
1: And <laughs> uh, never before has somebody linked Clondauken and Valencia Island in any way. They, uh, it's never been. <laughs> there's <laughs> yes,
0: indeed, there's, there's goat's guts in both places.
1: <laughs> there's, it's, uh, You know, if that's a Venn diagram with very little over <laughs> <Vendorium> and, <laughs> and I guess, they, guess they, they, said, said they found the one thing that brings them together. I
0: guess we were off on a tangent there, keeping it mathematical. But <laughs> <laughs> they were good. They Excellent. They tangent to me. <laughs> Daryl, it has been fantastic having a chat with you and I hope you and I know you will really enjoy your Canadian trip.
1: I'm looking forward to it enormously, absolutely enormously uh, a pleasure, thank you for having me on and a big coach all the
0: Irish and